Welcome to Diner Talks with James. Slide into the booth and let's have conversations we never want to end with friends we never want to leave over food we probably shouldn't be eating. My friends, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Diner Talks with James. I'm James, and I am super pumped to be here with you all. Slide into the booth, my friends, and let's hang out tonight. What are we going to have? What do, what, do you, what do you fancy tonight? Maybe some challah bread French toast? Maybe we're doing, uh, maybe you're going burger tonight. Maybe you're going, what's, what's your move? You going, are you going uh, disco fries for my friends in Jersey? You're putting a little, little French fries down and some cheese melt on top be dipping it in gravy let's go friends doesn't matter calories don't count after midnight <laughs> that's not true anyway um but i am excited to be spending time with you my friends i'm really pumped to be spending time also with my guest Jean-Vive. she is an incredible human being coming to us from the canary islands if you don't know where those are get on google maps and also get on your local airline and buy a flight uh, because they are beautiful. They're on my list of a place to visit. And I am really excited that she is coming to us from what is across the pond from where I am in the United States. Um, so I'm really excited to introduce you to Jean-Vive. She is an incredible accredited life and leadership coach. She's an improv facilitator, a published co-author. She had a bunch of time in management ex with experience in Canada. She lived in China. She lives in Spain. She's really, she's touched them all, y'all. She's touched them all. Um, and she transitioned to building her coaching, coaching business when she realized that so many women were going through what she had been through. Being caught in a cycle of stress and anxiety that kept them stuck in their personal and professional life. Boy, that sounds like something I went through as well. She is fiercely passionate about professional uh, making personal and professional development fun and coaching people to shine bright in their career and life. She is a wonderful human being, and I am honored to now call her my friend and partner in the diner, bringing her out right now. Jean-Vive, how are you? Oh my God, that was amazing. I'm, I'm great. I'm so ready for the food and for the conversation. Let's go, my yeah. friend. Let's go. <laughs> Super excited. So, Thank you so much. I, I love I love that you are here. I love that you're here with us. You know, it's funny. I talked about disco fries in the intro. I should have talked about poutine being someone uh, being someone from uh, from French Canada like yourself. Yeah. Uh, and so I, and also just the fact that it's one of the greatest products on modern earth. <laughs> it's true especially after midnight uh, yeah. for sure but when i i when you said this i was like huh what's that and then you said cheese and gravy and i was like huh but i'm yeah. curious what what is the cheese in disco fries? Like, is that specific? Is it specific yeah, type so of cheese? Yeah, so it is not. It's not a glorious cheese curd. Mm -hmm. um, it's okay. literally just melted on top. Some diners do Swiss. Some diners do American. You can also ask them to melt a specific type of cheese. But it's literally French fries with like like squares of cheese, like laid on top yeah. and baked. And then they give you gravy on the side to dip it in. So it is, it's essentially a, uh, not quite a deconstructed poutine, but still uh, that direction. And it's, it's never as good as the, uh, as the original. I mean, <laughs> the cheese makes it very special. Yeah. It's like, we call it cheese that does squish, squish, because it actually makes like a sound because it's so fresh, right? Like a bit yeah. between your teeth. So, yeah, it makes it special. Squeaky wow. cheese I'm already learning. That's great. <laughs> oh, shoot. I'm so pumped to be here. You are here. Diner Talks with James is the name of the show, my friend. Um, and yeah. so the way that I always like to kick it off is to learn about what is what is a favorite late night guilty pleasure of yours? If you have a, a food that if you were going to go out with some friends late at night and maybe have a, a, a few extra wines and you needed something to soak it up. I don't even know if you drink wine, but, uh, you know, either way, you know, the kind of vibe I'm talking about here yeah. late at night. Do you have a, a late night food that you sometimes indulge in? Maybe it's also just at home. Yeah. Um, well, now that you say that, the first thing that came to mind is arepas, which Arepa. is, uh, yes, and I'm sorry for any uh, Venezuelan person uh, listening right now if I'm if I'm mixing things right now, but it's uh, it's um, let's say like it will be a taco, but instead of being like it, it's a fried cornbread that they slice mm -hmm. and then they put 
an incredible amount of cheese yep. in it. And then, uh, you know, whatever you like, I don't eat meat. So then here they do it with like avocado and uh, fried uh, banana and like a lot of cheese in it. And then you just like eat all of this and that's wonderful. Yeah. It's like this fried cornbread sandwich. Essentially. Yeah. Do you know about it? So good. Yeah. Yeah. So I look, oh, okay. yeah, I've, I've had them before. They're delicious. There's yeah. a really famous Venezuelan restaurant in Brooklyn, uh, New York, mm. where I used to live and they, and that's basically all they made. And that's what they were known for. And they're just, it's just an outrageous product. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah, about yeah, you? Yeah. yeah. I love that. <clears throat> I love that. You know, uh, I'm a, I'm a pancakes guy. I love, love a good stack of pancakes myself. Um, so that's, uh, that's been, that's, that's typically my move. Um, or I'll do a, a grilled cheese, a grilled cheese with bacon on it. And pancakes, like, do you do table syrup or maple syrup? Cause that's a real question. Uh, so that is a, that is a question that is asked by somebody who knows the difference. Um, <laughs> It's what that question is right there, my friend. That's from someone who knows what actual maple syrup is supposed to be and probably knows somebody who made it um, or, or farmed it. <laughs> so it, when I have the official maple syrup, I love to have that. Um, however, most diners don't have like the actual thing. So, you you know, whatever they put out is what's going on the pancakes. <laughs> I mean, that will be acceptable. Yeah, That's yeah. so delicious, right? Yeah. 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 So, being yeah. from uh, French Canadian, so are you from Quebec or where? Where are you from? I'm from Quebec City. Yes. Quebec City, which is Quebec City, the Italy of uh, is the Italy of North. Excuse me, is the Europe of North America, really? Um, right? Is this as far as like old, old, beautiful city? Um, so much culture uh, and stunning. So, did you grow up uh, speaking both French and English, or were you predominantly Predominantly in Quebec City, were you only speaking French? Yes, uh, only in French. I, yeah. And uh, I started, you know, I was learning English at school. And then in high school, I got some uh, additional English classes. But my English really, um, really improved when I just moved abroad. And, you know, that's really how you learn the language, right? When you're in the environment and you have to wake up and your brain has to assemble sentences that are communicating your thoughts and then people understand them. Like that's really how, in my experience in learning a few languages, that's really how you get to learn them. Uh, because in, in in Quebec, it's very, very French. You know, you don't have, you don't really have opportunities to practice English. In Montreal, yes, but in Quebec City, not really. Yeah, yeah. The Quebecois. Um, <laughs> beautiful. Uh, that is, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, for sure, yeah. right? You you definitely learn the language once you jump in, right? It's kind of like that idea of did you learn to swim before or after you got in the pool, um, right? Exactly. <laughs> so. It's great to, you know, it's great to know the basics before, but really, you know, how do you move from a conscious competent to unconscious competent? It's from, like by by failing, by tripping, right? Yeah. Like by like just failing and failing and making a fool of yourself over and over again until you learn. Like that's that's the process. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Tell me what did what did a uh, a young Genevieve growing up in uh, in, um, in in Quebec City? What what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh. I love this. Uh, I love this because it, it can like, I, I already see this, this conversation like unfolding. Um, uh, I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to yeah. be an artist. Yeah, I was uh, a learner uh, and I was like create, very crafty, like creating, uh, you know, I, I, um, comic books and uh, I was like performing in my, uh, in my living room to anybody who, would care to watch uh and uh yes and uh well that got shut down pretty early on in my life i'm gonna be honest with you and i think that that's why now i love and i know we're going to talk about improv but that's that's why like the improv played such a big role in my uh, development as an adult is that um i i was re i really repressed that side of myself because i was told that i needed to be serious a lot you know like oh no like this is for fun and then you need to work and you need to do things that are valuable for society and this is not right i mean all from a good intention obviously like my parents were yeah, just wanted the best for me but i i've learned to be the person i needed to be instead of really listen to myself and be my you know bubbly and artistic self um and yeah so that's 
I know that I went like real deep right now. Yeah, but that's that's the answer to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you said that you were you said that you were a loner. Um, yeah. And was that a uh, this this is a weird question, but I'm curious to see how you answer it. Was that a, a loner by choice? Like, did you intentionally were you like, hey, I just wanna I just wanna be me in my art and in a corner somewhere? Yeah. Was that was that an intentional choice? Yeah. Um, I'm wondering what's the best answer to that. Like, no, I'm kidding. No, yes, that is. I, I mean, it's just I'm still a loner. Like, I yeah. really, I really I love to be on my own and do do my things. Of course, you know, I love people and I love uh, getting to know people and 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 uh, interacting and, and having great conversations. Um, but you know, I'm an I'm a I'm a social introvert, right? Like, I really like to. I, I recharge when I'm alone or when I'm I'm a homebody very much. And uh, so yeah, by choice, by choice. I, I just I just had a lot of ideas and I like to create things. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah that's great. That's great. So yeah. when did the idea shift for you and like and what was that like, you know, move kind of moving away from your artistic self, even though it's always underneath everything, right? And everything that you do, but yeah. you kind of you kind of shoved it down a little bit uh, and, and decided to make some other choices. Yeah. Talk about that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I studied uh, business, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which was uh, the, the obvious choice where, you know, that was opening a lot of doors. Uh, and then um, um, when I was in my early 20s, I started traveling, you know, the classic going backpacking throughout Europe and, uh, mm -hmm you know, getting to experience things and so on. And I really fell in love with that um, uh, exploring, exploring, meeting people from all over the world. Like again, using languages at that time was French and English. Uh, and uh, and yes, and then that led to, you know, business, a, a, an interesting choice would be like, oh, okay, what about I get interested in China? And uh, in uh, the early 2000s, you know, China, I mean, China has been rising for a long time, but, you know, that was an interesting choice and so on. And then things happened where um, I got a scholarship to go and study there. And I went uh, to study, actually, I wanted to study like, that that was a funny story. I wanted to study economics in China, so yeah. I applied uh, to go study in English, and then I didn't get the full scholarship. And when talking with the scholarship person, uh, they said, "Well, we prioritize people who want to learn the language because we do want to uh, encourage people to learn the language, so we can have people that can communicate, you know, and do like create a bridge between two countries." And uh, so the next year, I applied to learn the language, even though I never thought. I would ever learn Chinese. I was like, what? Like, but then I got the full scholarship. So literally they were paying me to go and spend a year. I was 23, you know, is to go spend a year in China and learn Chinese. I was like, yay, you know, time of my life. <laughs> and uh, I did. And I fell in love with the language. I really did. And I actually stayed two years. That was my first two years in China. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so, um, so yeah. And then, you know, uh, from there. Were you learning Mandarin or Cantonese or what? what Mandarin, Mandarin in, the, okay. in the in the north, yeah, and in, yeah. uh, in Tianjin, I, and uh, yeah, and that's fascinating. You know, when you start, like in the beginning, it's 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 you know, I again, it was completely out of my imaginary that I could ever understand with those little drawing like meant, right? And then at, at at that time, even like you know, there was no there were no smartphones, like. Uh, uh, I still had a paper dictionary and it takes so much time to look for words in Chinese in a paper dictionary. It was like five minutes for every character. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> but then after um, a few months, like I could talk to like order myself like a coffee or I, mm -hmm. I could uh, uh, talk to people a little bit on the street. I could read some signs, you know, and I, it, it just like opened up my world really it was like wow like i can speak to people that i could never have access to otherwise and uh yeah i i i set myself a goal i was like within two years i want to be able to read a book and i uh, went for it that's amazing that's yeah. amazing <clears throat> now here's the thing with uh, that i've noticed with foreign travel and you've traveled a lot more than i have so i i, I think that you will confirm this governments have problems with each other people rarely do 
Right. And so when you, when you went to China, you know, especially, you know, I live in the United States um, and we hear about like China's enemy number one right now, yeah. right? like that's, uh, and that's what we're going at. And that's what we're going after, but that's, you know, that's what we're concerned about and everybody you hear about it in the elections and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and so, um, and, and, and you're able, if that's all you ever hear, you're able to start painting a picture about a person over there. Now, but that picture is frequently way off and incorrect. So I would be curious for you to, to, to talk a little bit about what uh, what did you learn about Chinese Chinese people? And obviously you didn't meet every Chinese person. So you are you will have to generalize a little bit. But as far as being over in that culture, you know, what were some things that surprised you that you fell in love with? Because you spent some time there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, on and off, like between Canada and China, uh, my studies and working, I spent almost six years there, and um, and I worked with, you know, I worked locally, like with, you know, Chinese people, and I even, I even dated a Chinese person. Like, what I want to say by that is that I, I, I interacted in multifaceted. You Things know, are getting uh, racy here in the diner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's still we held only hands, obviously. Like, but no, but. Uh, um, you know what that what i want to say is that like i i fascinating i i love 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 the chinese culture i find that um uh yeah i find that this is uh this is different it, it, it that's what's so interesting with cultures like and i know that like i'm i'm taking attention a little bit but i'm going to get back to your question but you know i think that as humans we always have a bias to Think that people will understand us, you know, like, or or we see something like we see something that looks like something we're familiar with. Therefore, it must be something like I'm familiar with. Like an example is um, I walk into a grocery store and I see bread. Therefore, I think that that bread will taste the same as the bread that I know. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then I buy that bread and I find out that there's kidney beans in it. And that's <laughs> not used to like, that's not what I'm used to. to like that doesn't work with my sandwich that I wanted to do right or yeah. or um so it's it's so interesting because I find that a lot of cultural shocks is because of that even even after I moved from China to Spain I thought it was like oh you know I'm guessing that the you know I adapted to China like adapting to Spain would be easy uh-uh that was another complete total shock you know mm-hmm. um so um yes so this being said um what I loved about China about Chinese culture um, is that curiosity. I found that it was um, it was really it was easy to have because uh, inhibitions are different. Uh, so you know things things that are taboo for for uh, my Canadian you know cultural culture itself would not be taboo for some people that I met over there and then vice versa. So I find that it was, it was getting into weird conversations like real fast. Uh, so that was funny. Um, and, um, and yeah, I, 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 that, that was, that, that was just really interesting to, um, what were some uh, things that were not as like taboo over there that may have been taboo for you growing up? Um, well, I'm trying to find something that it like that there that may not that would not be triggering, uh, because like for example, like people would tell you like right away, like telling somebody that they would have extra weight would not be something taboo. Okay. Where in Canada, if you would walk up to somebody and say, "Hey, you have ex-, like I I judge that you have extra weight." it would yeah. be something that would not be really polite, right? Yeah. I mean, again, I don't want to generalize. Like, I mean, I am generalizing just by default because that's my experience, but I want to yeah. say that that's my experience. Like, it's, it may not be the experience of, of, of everybody. And, of course, China is a huge country. Um, but that's something that, you know, that 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 created interesting conversations where, you know, like somebody would say, no, you won't fit in these pants. Like, you have way too much extra fat. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I was like... I feel great about myself. I see you want to sell your product. Uh, yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, something like that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. asking for somebody's um, salary would not be taboo at all. Uh, where in, again, in Canada or how, where I grew up, it would be very taboo. You would not talk about how much you earn or how much you make. Yeah. So um, yeah. So stuff, things like that. Um, going 
to toilet together for ladies was very, you know, you just meet, you just met, let's go to the toilet together. You know, I, that's again, that's an, that's, that's my experience. I'm not saying that that's everybody yeah. in Canada would not happen that quickly, you know? So sure, yeah. like that. that happens all the time with drunk American women, but um, I don't know about in Canada. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I love that. That's awesome. Um, and that is fascinating to think about what is taboo in some cultures and what, what is taboo in others, right? We see that with sex all the time, right? Like sex is, uh, sex means different things in different cultures and how we're going to talk about it and, and whatnot. Right. Um, in some ways, like I know America is considered pretty naive, uh, when it comes to sex or pretty, uh, prude, um, when it comes to some things around, around sex, whereas that's in many other other countries it's you know far widely talked about or our bodies are shown off regardless of size and regardless of you know what's being covered or not right um it, yeah so i mean it is it's fascinating to learn about uh just what is taboo and and also why certain things are taboo in some yeah. way how did this become an issue that we all decided to get self-conscious about but that's the thing i think that that's what is so fascinating you know when because there's no big deal you know, again, like if I take back the, the, um, uh, okay, 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 here, here's another example. And again, with, with the it, it, yeah, taboo or like, imp, you know, what's polite, what's impolite, you know, like when I was, uh, um, uh, yeah, after living uh, for, there for a few years, um, something that I learned to do was, you know, if you, if, if you eat like uh, um, something with bones, people will just gently just bend over the, the table and just spit out the bones on the table, right? That would be normal. In fact, like some some of the um, tablecloth were made of plastic because that's, you know, we just throw away the tablecloth. And then I went back to Canada, I went to a restaurant and I didn't, you know, I didn't remember that I didn't, I couldn't do that. Uh, and, I, and I, you know, I was eating fruits with some like uh, pit in it and, and I started, you know, spitting them on the floor and people we were like, what? What are you doing? I was like, oh no. <laughs> It's true. You don't do that here, do you? Like, and what I want to say is that it's no big deal. You know, sometimes, like, as you say, you know, talking about sex or talking about how much you make or, you know, like, or, or talking about different things. Like it oftentimes, like we create the awkwardness around things that it doesn't really need to be there. And I think that's so fascinating with different cultures in general that, that um, we just create some of, we create those barriers and and then when you find out that oh you don't have that barrier at all right so yeah. is that it so what, what i believed on my life was not true like or was not like was not an absolute truth and it's just i think that when you i there's such a great opportunity for curiosity because you need because if you're not curious and if you're not open and you don't laugh it off like there's a huge place to be like triggered or say like, Oh my God, I really don't like it. And I need to go back, which, you know, that's okay. Like, I mean, if, if somebody feels like that and they don't feel comfortable, I know that, that that's a choice. But what I want to say is that if, if you do lean in, like there's such a great opportunity to learn and to have different experiences and to, and to get curious and to, um, uh, yeah, to, to learn from just other ways of being, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same yeah. Languages. Yeah. 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 Uh, I love that. What a cool opportunity for you uh, to, to have, to have the immersive experience that you had in, in, in other cultures, right? It's one thing to go. And I mean, st I, I encourage everybody who is at, at college and universities to go, to go and study abroad if they have the opportunity, right? Yeah. If you can take even three months somewhere else is yeah. as a, a eye-opening, mind-blowing experience. Yeah. Exactly yeah. Like six years altogether in China is yeah. incredible, right? I mean, you can you can go back there and exist. Like you said, you learn this language that to to uh, to individuals <clears throat> on, on our continent um, in North America will look at those symbols and be like, what is actually going <laughs> on? Here? In what direction? I'm supposed to read them in another direction yeah. too, right? And I'm supposed yeah. to, right? Like, it's, you know, like we always had the phrase, it's all Greek to me. And I never understood what that, you know, like, I was like, like Greek is easier than what's happening in some of these other places. Um, but still, it is incredible that you were able to have those experiences. How, 
how did some of those moments help you grow? Like you said, you know, you kind of, you, you grew up a little bit of a loner, um, artsy kid, uh, wound up going to school for business and whatnot, but you know, how do those experiences change you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I would say that I found another side of me because when you put yourself in an environment where, you know, there's little to no benchmarks, like, like, again, like what you, what, you know, you buy bread and you think it's going to taste like bread. It doesn't taste like bread. Like, like, yeah. you know, you talk to people and, 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 there, there's different perceptions that often clash with the perceptions that you may have. And, and so you, you're not defined anymore or, well, actually the, the norms, the cultural norms that you're used to, your normal yeah. is like put in jeopardy quite quickly. And therefore you come to a point where I found that you're not defined by that anymore. Yes. I, of course, like there's many things that, uh, are very rooted in me and, and beliefs and, and norms that, that I still uh, uh, follow because of, of how I grew up um, and where I grew up. And, and that's normal. But I find that there's um, uh, there's that free. I found a lot of freedom mm -hmm. because, again, I'm still, you know, OK, I'm French Canadian now. I'm sure that since we've been, you know, since we started talking, I probably said something weird in English. Like, or I probably said a weird pronunciation or whatever. And I used to be very self-conscious of that. But now, like, I'm just, I'm a, like, English is my second language. Uh, and I don't, like, I find freedom in being like, look, I'm, I'm a little bit of an, like, I come yeah. from a little bit everywhere. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it, it's not like I'm not, I don't feel my, like I'm defined so much by norms and, and like in a box because I've I've kind of broken that and it, there was you know there was a process where like you're like oh you know what's happening but then I found a lot of freedom and like oh actually I can do things that maybe if I would have stayed if I would have stayed in my um, original environment um, I would have not taken the risk to break because there was not so many opportunities mm -hmm. but now when you're abroad like there's so many opportunities and and you meet people and another thing is that you meet so many new people and people are like a mirror of you right so like they just what the type of relationship that you create is um is a mirror of of how you show up in life and i find that again you know uh, being a little bit of a of a free agent in, in terms of uh not having you know being able to break the mold um, it let me to understand really quickly, like what, what type of person would I be, you know, would I, uh, um, be able to have like very easy conversations with and, yeah. and, uh, what did I like and so on? Because I didn't, I, I, I broke away from what was expected of me if I would have stayed in the mold I was in. Does yeah. that make sense? Yes. I love that term. You're a free agent of, of cultural norms. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's such a cool, that's a cool, such a cool way to put it. Uh, <laughs> and I love, I love that you got to that phrase. I don't know if you've ever said it before, but you should say it again. Cause it just really, uh, it paints a really cool picture. And so uh, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know, on your website, you talk about how you go through all of these big transformations where you land your dream job and you're like, this is it. You tell your friends, I can't believe it. Life is set. I'm good. I'm set. Here we go. Going to grow old and fat in this position and be fine for the rest of my life. Uh, and then, and then, uh, it turns to shit. Um, and so, uh, tell me a little bit, tell me a little bit about that. You know, you know, walk me through one of those experiences and kind of what happened upon, you know, getting what you thought was the dream job and then finding out it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love this. I love that. How you express that. Um, uh, yes. Well, well, yeah, I, I really did find my dream job and, and I was uh, I, I've always been very driven and I was like, you know, I'm going to give it all I got. And I really and I really did. And um, uh, and I, you know, what I wrote on my website, like I, I really remember waking up one day and I was, you know, I was in another city for interviews and um, uh, and I, you know, I was told that I got the job and I woke up and I, and I, I texted a friend saying, um, yeah, you know, Starting like tomorrow, I, I'm I'm gonna wake up in the morning knowing that I'm gonna work to change the world. Like I really wanted to have a, a positive impact. That was really important for me to spend my time and my personal resources in doing that. Um, and I gave it all I got, and it was a startup type of of uh, 
business. So, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, there's definitions of what you do, but also like it means that you kind of do everything at the same time. You know, there was mm-hmm. uh, and um, and yeah, and within nine months, I didn't couldn't get out of bed anymore, you know, and uh, um, I was, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't see the point. I was completely burned out this, for like this. And at that time, um, uh, I said, well, OK, the environment just you know, objectively, someone could say the environment was not optimal in which I was working. And I was like, well, I was lucky enough to be offered an, a new job uh, with people that I loved, environment that was very positive and a job that I loved. And I was like, great. So problem solved. Right. I thought that I would get like uh, old and, and, and well fed in, in the other job. But now it's OK. I'm going to in the it's, it's going to be the other job and, and problem solved. And then um, I rebuilt my, you know, self-esteem and and, and myself through that job. And um, I, uh, yeah, and and I started, you know, I, I started as a as an uh, a manager. Uh, I'm sorry, an event a coordinator. And then I grew as, as the head of department in, in events. And within, uh, you know, within two years, I was again burned out. And then I was like. Well, hold on, like, you know, I I don't have a toxic environment like I had before. And yet some of the I forgot to say, but yeah, like some of the symptoms of of the anxiety from from the first experiences that I had started an eating disorder mm-hmm. and like in my late twenties, like that it was really like a result of a way for me to gain control and and these symptoms were not going away and they were coming back stronger. And I was really confused because I thought, well, yeah, like now it's not the environment, you know? So maybe, just maybe, it's overall, maybe it's I need to go away from China, right? Yeah. So um, one day, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll skip the drama, but I really snapped. I was like, I need to, uh, I need to get out of here. And, um, and at the time, uh, my boyfriend now husband was in, in Spain and, and uh, I, uh, I came to to visit him and uh, well actually I came to visit him with all my stuff and no no ticket back but yeah so um just a quick and, visit yeah yeah it's a quick visit you know I arrived on Christmas Day surprise I live here now I don't know, the cat. yeah exactly um and yeah and then uh and again long story short uh, quickly I found um another another job here uh, and I uh, was like great you know, now it's a new environment, like completely new environment, different field. Um, and I started from scratch and I was like super excited to make it my, you know, that's going to be the experience when I'm going to really make it and so on. And within a year and a half, I was coming back home crying and I was like, OK, that, like that's ridiculous. You know, like what what's going on? I in the beginning is because like there was, you know, toxicity in the, in the environment. After that is because I was working too much. I was, you know, always the culture. And now like I changed, not only did I change company role, people I work with, their background is not even the same professionally or culturally. I'm changed. I changed the language. I changed the continent. I changed everything I could possibly change. And the same things are happening except for the way that I think. Right. Except for how I deal with situations. And that really like hit me in the face. Like if I was run over by a truck, like I w- it really like was a, a moment where I was like, oh, wow. OK, like it w- I, everything pointed at me. I was the only com- common denominator into all of the experiences that I have had. And um, yeah. And and, you know, that's how I started my personal development journey. Um, and um, and, you know, when I some of it came back when I was an entrepreneur because again, you know, you just work and work and you do whatever, you know, you, you do whatever you, you, you can to, uh, to make it work. And uh, some of the, some of the exhaustion came back and, and, uh, and I was like, yeah, it's not, it was not even about having a job, right? Like it was really about, again, like uh, continuing with that, uh, with refining the mindset and letting go of the limits and the things that were just coming in my way were holding me back from just really like living my life and enjoying what I was doing without all that stress and anxiety. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, yeah. What a journey. I didn't even buy a ticket to that ride friend. Didn't even (laughs) buy a ticket to that ride. Um, (laughs) thanks for, thanks for letting me give me free admittance on that. Um, (laughs) that is, that is quite the roller coaster. And so I want to come back to a a few things that you said along the journey, because I think a lot of people reach that, that breaking point where they, where they just like, this isn't for me and and whatnot. You can tell this this is unhealthy or this is whatnot. And a lot of people will say, well, that means I'm the problem, right? Um, It must be something that I'm doing. I'm wrong uh, and whatnot. You had the, you had the courage to change and realize that maybe it is the work environment also. Um, But you know, you mentioned this idea of, you know, I wanted control and I wanted to, uh, I, I wanted to you know, be in a less toxic place. And some of the places that you were describing were a little bit toxic. And when do you know, when do you know, and, and you know, maybe you talk about this with some of your clients also, but when do you know it's time to make a decision to leave? Because I think some people make the decision a little quickly to leave, when they can make the decision to advocate for themselves in the moment too, right? Like we don't need to, this sucks. I'm out, right? Like that's, that can't be how it always is. Um, And so, you know, for you, you, how do you find, how did you find that balance of like, you know what the enough is enough. I deserve better. Um, Or enough is enough. I'm going to walk into my boss's office and say something needs to change, right? Like that moment of self-advocacy, whether it's leaving or going into an office and saying that I need X, Y, or Z, otherwise I'm leaving. Um, right. You know, like how do you reach that point and where does that, where does that come from? Yes. Yes. Well, I, first of all, I completely agree with what you just said in terms of it's not always others. It's not always you, like there's not a one size fits all. And um and it can always be like you know i'm just gonna leave and and also it's not always like oh i'm just the problem like it it's 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 really it really depends and but what i find that really helps is first of all first of all get to know yourself like that's that's part of my like my message my wow i said that right weird my message um get to know yourself get to know your thoughts get to know um what you're telling yourself, is it serving you? Is it not serving you? So that's at first, like, and I say this less, oh, you know, it's an afternoon activity. No, like it's actually, it's a lifelong journey, you know, get to know yourself, but it's really important because then you can have more clarity in terms of, okay, is it, am I creating some of those patterns? Uh, is it, um, um, you know, what, what do I tolerate? What do I not tolerate? And so on. So that can provide a lot of clarity. And then like knowing your values, like what is important to you, knowing where you're going, Right. So um, so that you can have you can you it, it helps with it's a basis for decision making. Like, is it like for me, is it about um, uh, is it about, you know, is it about the money? Is it about achievement? Is it about providing value to people? And then really uh, knowing that, knowing like what's what if, do, am I willing to tolerate? What am I not willing to tolerate? What is most important? If health is your uh, health or family, a time with your family is your um, highest um, value, and then like work is not in your you know top five value and so on. Well, that's that's you know wh- when you're really aware of that, that becomes and your work is becoming a barrier to your health or your uh, your you know time you spend with your family. That becomes an easier of a decision. Uh, but really, again, knowing yourself, knowing where what you want to accomplish and, and what is really important to you, what are your values, like start there. Because when you do that work, a lot of things around you become a lot clearer. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yep, for sure. Yeah, it's easy to see things around you and be like, well, this needs to change and this needs to change, right? It's a lot harder to look in the mirror and be like, well, what actually matters or what maybe needs to change inside here too, right? Like it's not just everybody else. Work-life balance is not always work's fault. It's also what are you doing with the time outside of work? How are you bringing yourself joy outside of work so that you show up to work in a different attitude as opposed to my life's miserable outside of work and now I'm going to go back to dumpy work. You know, it's why they call it work, not play. Um, right. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think, I think that is a really, 
a really wise assessment on, on what to do. So for you specifically, when you were in some of those moments, what did you learn, you know, during each of those big transitions, how did you become closer and closer to being able to name your values? And what were some of those values that you realized mattered to you? Mm, Yeah. Well, I'm going to be honest. Like I, I wasn't aware, like I, I wasn't really aware until I really started my personal development journey. Like, that's why I think that I was, you know, one factor and then, oh, no, that's not it. Well, that's going to be something else. And, and um, uh, but really, again, when I started identifying that uh, my thoughts were not necessarily the truth, for sure, um, that was a big moment. And then what was the values that were really important to me? Um, again, creating impact, loving, like having fun in my life, mm-hmm. expressing myself was really, really important. Um, and, um, love is really important to me, like love in terms of, yes, you know, in, in, you know, a romantic relationship, but also, um, just loving, like being, um, surrounded by, by people that is, that are very supportive that I can support. And really that interaction and exchange with people is very important to me. Um, and, uh, and creativity is extremely important to me too. Uh, in terms of being able to, um, being able to, yeah, create, express myself, have a voice. Um, and I think that that's what also brought me to entrepreneurship because that was uh, a no brainer for me. And another thing is that um, um, I also, because I, I love the international context, but also I have a family in Canada, I really wanted to create something online so that I could be able to travel. Um, because also family is very important. I know that I just like put everything like, this is important. This is important. But, uh, I felt like I named a lot of things, but, um, but I think that, you know, my highest value right now is really, um, I would say is creating joy, like having joy in my life Mm -hmm. and helping people like, you know, just co-creating co-creation of joy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And that's what improv is about. That is what improv is about, my friend. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, we're all in this together. We have no idea what we're going to create, but we're going to do it together. We're going to have a damn good time doing it. Uh, Give us one suggestion and we'll jump right on that for you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And we'll make it imperfect. Like, I love when you talk about this because you talk about this so well, like the imperfection and, and, and finding the beauty in that because uh, this is just life. Like, Imperfection is life. Mm-hmm. No, life isn't perfect. That's what I mean. That's what I mean, and I, that's what I love about improv. You know, I heard Tina Fey say once, like, "It's improv. It's gonna, it's gonna suck. Like, that's okay. You know, <laughs> like, it's not gonna be a perfect story, and that's okay. Like, sometimes it's gonna be great, and sometimes it's not, and yeah. we're good with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. How, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, please. No, I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure you have a lot of, of stories about about that but I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think of of that you know i know you have a lot to say around the imperfection and i just love talking about that yeah no for sure i mean yeah i think uh uh yeah, we as humans as we were talking about before we got on here i think we as humans can't learn things from people who are perfect we can only learn things from people who are imperfect and so that's why i really uh respect you for for sharing some of these imperfections and some of these, you know, moments that, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily put on LinkedIn, you don't put on the resume, you don't put on whatever. Right. Um, uh, But you embrace them. And I think that's, I think that's really awesome. Um, And and diving into our imperfections is, is cool because that's where our quirks are. Those are the things that um, allow us to stand in our own independent humanity. Uh, and realize that that we are we are different, but difference okay, right? We don't have to be an excellent sheep. Um, we can just we can just be ourselves and show up every day. And you know, there's a good chance that we're enough. So what if we just lived like life like we were? But yeah. Oh my God! Tweet that right now. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yes, there's a good chance that that we're, that that we're enough. So may as well live life like live High life probability, like that. Probability, Jean-Vierre. Yeah. <laughs> The, um, (laughs) the, uh, the, the thing that an interesting through line between a lot of your, um, your, your, your pitfalls that you fell into in each one of those jobs was also this idea of control and not having control. 
um, right? And you talked about control as in, you know, potentially your, your eating disorder, you named it as being a control issue, which eating disorders frequently are. Um, they are around the idea of, of having control. And so I think it is pretty hysterical that you decided to go into something like entrepreneurship where you definitely have control, but there's a whole lot of, let's see, right. With improv. Yes. Uh, with, with, excuse me, with, with entrepreneurship, because yes, you have an idea. Yes. You're your own boss, but there's also a lot of this high anxiety and a lot of that as well. And there's times where you just need to try something. You need to create a piece of marketing and be like, let's see if this draws customers. Let's do offer this for free and see if that sparks more insight or intrigue. Let's do it right. Like there's a lot in, there's a lot in entrepreneurship that yes, it is a great field for people who love control. It is also a horrible peel, uh, field for people who love control. It's kind of like what your relationship with control is because some people who love control really appreciate that a paycheck's going to show up every two weeks, pretty much regardless of what they're going to do. Right. And that's control of safety and security. But we all can have we we want to have control over different things as humans. Um, and so I'd be curious to hear about your relationship with control. I also love the fact that you do improv despite that you love control. Right. Uh, right. Those kinds of things are it's it, it's funny. So but control is something that we we all have different relationships with. And I'm curious what your relationship with control is. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I, I'm just writing notes. I'm like, oh my God, there's so many, there's so much to that, to that relationship. <laughs> First of all, I want to say that I do talk about all of my flaws on LinkedIn. And <laughs> yes, you do. That's something I love to talk about. Talk about your flaws. People relate to that. No. Uh, um, well, okay. Here's the thing. You know that I said that my, I felt, um, I felt like my artistic side, you know, I just pushed it down because I thought that, you know, that was not good enough and I didn't really have the, the right to explore that because that was not serious and so on. Um, I think that that's when I really created that other side of me that needed to be in control, right? I needed to control, like I needed to, um, you know, not be too loud. I needed to, because I'm a pretty loud person and I like to, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a lot of bubbles inside and, and sometimes I get over enthusiastic and that's just who I am. Like some people like that, some people like it less, like I'm, I'm you know, that, that's just what it is. But, um, you know, like I needed to be like, you know, in corporate, like you need to be, like, you, the, the environment gives you hints that you need to be a certain way and, uh, and, so I think that, you know, when you said relationship with control, I think that the, a lot of the stress and the anxiety, it came from controlling myself, hmm. right? Trying to control myself in terms of like, oh, no, I, like, I probably look like a fool then. I'm, I, like, I need to now do that again. Or you know, th this, was not, this was not okay. Or I laughed too loud in a meeting. Or I shouldn't have talked or whatever. And I, let's not do that again, right? So I started like really like that 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 relationship of really like trying to control myself mm -hmm. because you know that I, I it's so interesting because when you talk about entrepreneurship like a lot of the things you cannot control is is outside of you yeah. but actually now my perception is like actually the only thing you have control is you you know and and the more you work to have control on on your story the story you tell yourself the more you work to have control on on your thoughts or at least m manage your thoughts and you know become good buddy with them so that you can see which one serve you and which one, which one don't serve you. Um, then you can have a lot more control on yourself and, and so on. But at that time, that was really like how I would have control is, is to beat myself up, beat myself up and punish myself and, um, and, and really gain control of like, you know, that little fire and bubbles that I had inside of me, like it couldn't come out because that was not appropriate. Yeah. So, so, and, and seriously, like I, I had such a journey through to through play of like allowing, giving myself permission to one day, like uh, you know, I, I live on a small island. There was an opportunity for a theater. I'm not, I'm not a, a trained actress at all, but I was like, eh, why not? You know, let's just try it. And then I got into theater, and then I got a nudge of of um, of like improv sounds really cool. Like, what about I do that? But then again, I live on a small island. Uh, uh, there was not really opportunities, especially not in English. 
uh, and uh, and I, I wanted to you know start in in, in English at least, and um, and so therefore I started a group. Like I started a meetup, and then I started you know long story short, uh, started creating a, an improv workshop every week, and now it's been it's been years. But um, but just the improv has such an ability to like when you try to control, that's when you fail. Mm-hmm. Like when you are in the moment. And when you really like lean into the yes and and when you say yes to ridiculous things that you really don't want to say yes to, but you're like, oh my God, like let's just do it, right? Like and you just play with it. Like again, I'm saying that you really don't want to say yes to because you're trying to control the situation, right? Um, that's when that's when the most wonderful things happen. And you know, by repetition and by practicing and practicing, it just it it made me so much more comfortable with not having so much control, controlling myself. I can always control like where I'm going, right? I can always control where, where, uh, what approach, how I'm going to co-create with the situation, right? I need to accept yes and add to it. How am I going to co-create with what is in front of me, whether it's a line or whether it's a situation, uh, it's in a conversation. Um, so I can always control that, but I cannot control what the outcome would be. I can only contribute. And I think that, like by practicing and by by doing that in a safe space of of in, in, in with improv, you know, it 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 really allowed me to see like how can I actually apply that to real life, mm-hmm. and 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 of course, you know, it's not everything is always like you know rainbows, unicorns, and and laughable and stuff like that. But I think that when you apply those skills in real life, then you become a lot more comfortable with uh, with not having control. But yet again, you always have that control. Of yourself when you learn how to manage yourself obviously um yeah i went on a tangent there but i hope that that answered a little bit i love me a good tangent fam so don't <laughs> <worry about it. laughs> i can't hold people accountable to things yeah. that i do so uh <laughs> no i think i think that was uh, that was beautiful control is such a fascinating thing we all have a different relationship with it and there are some yeah. people that right like this we sometimes live in a, a culture right now where the phrase and, and pardon, pardon my French here, but like uh, zero fucks um, happens. It's ironic because you speak French, you know, that's not actually French, but anyway, yeah. that's a, a, a phrase here. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I get well, it. It's different when you actually talk to somebody who <laughs> it's like, that's not French. James. Yeah. Um, but either way, you still get what I'm saying, but like this phrase of like um, giving zero fucks, right? Like that's, that's impossible. And, and people who have no worries and no cares whatsoever. I mean, that, that sounds like what an Island paradise might be. Right. That's the, that's, that's what they try to sell you when you book vacation packages in Jamaica and, uh, and places like that is like, come down here and there's no worries. It's like that. This is not, that's not a realistic life to live because at the end of the day, I need you to care about something. Right. And you, and you do care about something. It's figuring out what you care about and most importantly, what I love what you said is that figuring out what can you control? Because so much time is spent on worrying about things that we cannot control that it doesn't help. And so we just sit there and spiral. And that's why, you know, a word that comes up in, in your bio and a word that certainly comes up in my bio as well as anxiety. And that's where anxiety happens. Anxiety oh, yeah. happens by us worrying so much about things that are probably outside of our control. Why don't we spend time worrying about things that we can control? And that's a tough place to get to because it's a hell of a lot easier to worry about stuff that you can't do anything about. Because if you worry about something you can do something about, that means you actually just need to go ahead and do something about it. But, you know, turns out change and work are kind of like the same word. Um, And so people don't love that. And the work that you do is is very inspiring. You know, I, I do a little bit of coaching myself where you work on getting individuals to own where they currently are mm-hmm. and also own where they want to go and mm-hmm. then dissect the difference between the two mm-hmm. by holding them accountable to making some different choices or writing their story in a different way or the patterns in which they speak about themselves or about opportunities that might be in front of them, right? That This is what great coaches do. They hold you accountable to the life you say you want to live. And that is first off, it's beautiful, the work that you do. And it's also really hard to get someone to change because people have to want it for themselves. 
So what have you noticed in, in, in some of the work that you've done around ways to spark change in others and also spark change in yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, I agree with you. I think that, you know, first, you cannot change somebody who doesn't want to, right? Like, I mean, that's why the coaching relationship is such, it's, it's, it's a, so much of a partnership. Because yeah. it's something that, you know, we're, we're buddies here, like we're co-creating something together, like we're walking, you know, together. And yes, I'm, I'm going to be here. You're also you're also going to be here and therefore I can do the work for you, you know. So uh, that's for sure. And I'm, I really um, well, I when people have more clarity, that's my experience. Mm-hmm. When people see things clear clearly for themselves, then the way forward becomes a lot easier, right? So um, I use a I work with a mindset system that is called Eliminate Your Limits that is uh, that was created uh, by Dr. Brian Gresso and Kerry Kimball. Shout out! And uh, that that's a mindset system that has specific pillars and specific exercises that we do so that. Um, so that one can really learn to understand themselves and really see it for themselves. Like, again, it's not like I see this in you. Is that true? It's more like, like I'm seeing this for myself. I'm seeing my patterns that become so obvious to me that I'm, it's so obvious that hold on a second, you know, um, uh, I, I wake up in the morning and I'm thinking of like how busy I am and how, uh, how annoyed I am at my coworkers. And I want to live a life of, of fun and peace, like, hold on a second, like, here's a, you know, that there's a disconnect there, it doesn't work, right? Uh, so, uh, so when you see that for yourself, like when you gain that awareness, then after that, exactly as you said, it's about owning that, because none of what you think of what you do is necessarily wrong, is all about, is it serving where you want to go? So, or is it not serving where you want to go? And, um, and that, like, as you said, you know, it just, it takes, it takes courage to own all of that. It's like, you know what, I was not on the right track and I just need to own it. Like when, when I, when I discover what I, um, what I can control, it also means like, okay, like then I need to take responsibility for it. And sometimes it's also to, to recognize that, um, I was doing the best that I could with what I had, but that was not really, you know serving me that was not really like I, I i'm doing air quotes now because you know that was not good for me let's put it like yeah, this yeah. right like it's kind of like i do have a again it's not it's not a fault but again like just realizing that like just to like look it's okay i didn't know better and now i see things clearly and i can move forward and i think that when we have that awareness and the ownership because the awareness oh like alone it's not um it's not enough but the awareness and the ownership from there taking action is is a no-brainer and i find that again to answer your question like it it when we like these are the first steps and then from there it's like okay well then what action and then like there's a variety of action like the options is not a problem right um and it's really about yeah being accountable exactly and then when you just keep doing that like gaining awareness because this is also like a this is a yeah there's so many layers to the onion right so it's it's not a one-time thing but, you know, taking awareness, oh, okay, I noticed that, oh, okay, well, I own it all, yes, right, I accept it, and here's what I'm going to do about it, right, and when you when you um, create, and not create, but when you own that process, then you're just continuously just, like, leveraging um, your strength and your not-so-strength so that you can move forward and take action. Y'all, I, I hope y'all are listening. Cause that was beautiful. Uh, that was, that was awesome. <laughs> so, so well said, Jen, I love it. And uh, yeah, I agree. I, I agree that power, the power of ownership and realizing that you are the one who grants yourself permission to have ownership. Yes. Right? No one, no one gives you that. No one comes over and taps you on the head and be like, Psst, you have ownership over the decisions in your life and what you do with it. Right. Like that's, that's just something we need to recognize for ourselves. And a lot of times people play because of extraneous circumstances that sometimes earn them the right to play it. But a lot of times people play victim, right? Um, and, and, and people have been through some tough things and have earned the right to play victim in their lives. And so I'm not, I'm not at all trying to say that people who play the victim are, are, are a problem. Um, but it is important for us to recognize that 
at some point in time in our lives, we have to be the ones who take ownership um, for whatever it is, right? Whether it's being a good parent, being a good friend, being an entrepreneur, being a good human being, um, following our dreams, doing things that matter to us, whatever, right? There's a whole bunch of things where at some point in time, we slowly recognize and we take ownership at each of those pieces one at a time as we recognize, oh, wait, I, I am in control. Um, and I'm not just sitting here waiting for somebody. Uh, and so, but that's a hell of a process to get to the self-esteem is there on like the devil on your shoulder. And you're like, nah, you're not good enough, bro. Nah, bro. Nah, you, you can't do now. Nah, you're not smart enough. You're not hot enough. You're not rich enough. You're not successful enough. You're not whatever enough, right? You got, you got somebody tapping you on one side. Um, that's punching the optimist inside your brain in the face and it's not, it's not helping. So here's my last question for you, friend, is first off, and thank you for thank you for kicking it with me. But I'm wondering, you know, knowing what you do and how you do it, who do you love to work with? Who are into like what kind of individual are are you seeking out? And and like and just in general, like who I'd be curious to hear your answer also to like who should seek coaching. Right. Because coaching is different than counseling and people who need counseling don't necessarily need coaching and people who need coaching don't necessarily need counseling. I think at one point, at many points in our lives, I think we need both, but they're not always at the same time. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I'm wondering for you, as you think about it, like who what kind of clients do you typically work with um, or, you know, do you hope reach out to you and, and whatnot and, and who needs coaching? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And I and. I think that um, I, you know, I feel like a few years ago I would have said an answer and now I would say something else because I find that there's a there's a variety, but I would say that here's the common denominator. First of all, I mean, just like if we're looking for demographics, uh, I, wor I work with professionals. So I work with people that are really driven and that and and that want more. Right. They want to perform better. Uh, they want to reach more success. Like I think that generally people who seek coaching is that I find that you need to be ready as exactly as you said, like you need to be ready to be honest with yourself, like like stupid honest with yourself. You yeah. know, you need to be ready to like like found like the the mud pool and like and just go like and like swim in it. You know, and 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 because I, it's it's necessary. And the coach, like you know, as a coach, you you go in the pool with the people. You're like, yeah, let's oh, get yeah. dirty. You know, but you need you. As a coach, you cannot go in this pool alone because then you're like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm just gonna like, you know, that that that's not that's not how it works. So, so I would say that, um, yeah, like I I I find you know people who think like, oh, I've lost myself, or I feel like you know, I thought I thought I would be happy, but I'm not. You know, mm -hmm. that's definitely like part of my story, and I find that there's a lot of people that follow the path that that thought that they. Um, that they would love and they, and finally they're like, hold on a second. That's actually not, I don't, you know, I don't feel fulfilled or I don't feel, uh, I feel like I'm just like uh, filling my calendar with a lot of things and, and I'm just always busy. I'm not actually enjoying my life. Um, and, um, and yeah, and that again, you're ready, ready for it, ready to, yeah. Okay. I'm going to do, I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to go and see those dark sides and, 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 uh, the, the great sides as well. Uh, and I'm ready to 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 walk to walk my talk and to do it. Um, I would say, just seriously, do yourself a favor and go through that journey because this is this is one of the this is an amazing journey to take and this is so empowering and so ironically like jumping in the mud and 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 being willing to say like oh wow or like I didn't know better is the most empowering thing because then you know and then you can I mean then you know we're always in the dark at some point and we're always learning all the time but but this is how you can move forward and this is how you actually become the best version of yourself one day at a time um so yeah yeah that's it that 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 answer came from my heart I don't know if that was really clear but that definitely was what I think Jean-Vivre, I loved that answer. Uh, and I love it because you're right. If you want to, you got to be willing to get in the pool. You got to be willing to get into the mud. And if you're not willing to get into the mud, then it may not be time for you. Uh, but at the same time, you need to think about why don't I want to get in the mud? What am I yes. running from? And that Absolutely. is probably the time where counseling is helpful. 
Mm. We look back into what are the things that are stopping me. What are the what are the uh, you know what what has happened in my past that maybe I haven't worked through that I still hold on to that stop me from moving forward. The coaches are really great at taking you from where you are to where you want to go, um, and and counseling is really helpful for you to understand better who you are and the stories you've been writing about yourself and recognizing that those not aren't always the kindest. Um, and so uh, I love this. And I'm so glad that we got to hang out together today, my friend. Can you tell people where they can connect with your wonderful self? Yes. Well, uh, I love to hang out on LinkedIn a lot. So, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of ease in my name, but man, it, you just like copy paste and look for it in LinkedIn uh, and reach out. I, I, I really love uh, to interact with uh, with professionals over there. Uh, and also, if you want, if you want to learn more, also, you know, of course, you can jump at my on my website at Netola Coaching. I know that you um, put it earlier, James. Um, and uh, yes, come and say hi. Uh, I'm also starting. Uh, uh, Effectiveness Habits Masterclass uh, as soon as it is free. It's absolutely free. And I just really want to help people um, uh, put all of the practices that I've helped my clients with and really like communicate like how easy, simple practices uh, and, uh, you know, questioning with yourself can help you create more uh, effective habits and also including the yes and in your life, which is a practice I talk a lot about. So uh, come on my LinkedIn and we'll talk about that and you can jump on a masterclass when you're when you want. Yes, I love it. Connect with her on LinkedIn. It's all the coaching, N-E-T-T-O-L-A, coaching.com. Uh, make sure that you check out all of those places. Jovia, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. I had a blast. I had a, I'm sweating. It's so warm in here. I'm sweating. I had a little like fan, but it, the battery is off. But I just had so much fun. Thank you so much. Uh, for having me and thank you uh, for listening to my blab. That was great. I loved it. I love being with you, friend. Thank you so much. Y'all, that was my time with Jean-Vievre. She is an incredible human being and I can't wait to fly over to the Canary Islands, hang out with her, do improv, bring her some poutine from North America, ideally Canada, while we eat a rapist. I don't care. We're going to stay up late. We're going to have a conversation. It's going to get deep and I can't wait. Uh, I, hope, I hope that I get to meet her in person one day. Uh, and so thank you, my friends. I'd love to meet you in person one day. I went too. Why not? Let's hang out. Let's be friends. Let's go to a diner. Why not? But until the next time we do get to hang out, my friends, please think about what Jean-Vierre was talking about, where doing that soul work of what matters to me, why does it matter to me? And what are my values and is where I'm currently in life serving my values and building me to a place that I am excited about and proud about? And if it's not, let's start figuring out how we can start to try to turn the ship. It's not going to happen immediately, but it is worth the time because you are worth the time, my friends. I appreciate you spending time with me. And the next time we get to hang out, y'all, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. You all take care. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Diner Talks with James. It was so much fun getting to hang out with you and finish our milkshakes in that squeaky red leather booth. <laughs> if you do me a favor and smash that subscribe button, that would be dope. And also, if you could leave a review on iTunes, well, come on now, you're going to make me blush. <laughs> also, if you want to be a part of the action, we record these live on YouTube Live every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Go to YouTube and type in James T. Robo and smash that red subscribe button so you know when we go live next. Also, while we're on the subject, I'm James T. Robo all over the internet. I post meaningful content on Instagram, witty content on Twitter. Let's get connected in some other places, folks. And as always, if you're interested in learning more about the guest tonight, please check out the show notes. My friends, until next time, keep punching small talk in the face by asking better questions. Y'all take care.